Let's, uh, let's turn in our Bibles this morning. We're in the book of Romans. We're in chapter 8 this morning. We're going to be covering verses 1 to 11. I titled this morning's message, Our Security in Christ. And this is our uh, 18th study in the book of Romans. It's taken us 18 studies to get to chapter 8 this morning. I love that. I mean, we could have doubled that because there is so much in the book of Romans, so much that could be said. But the first major section that we dealt with in uh, chapters 1 all the way to chapter 3, verse 20, it had to do with our sin, our unrighteousness, our guilt, and really the wrath of God that was upon us before we knew Christ. Paul made a declaration that the whole world stands guilty before God. The next section in Romans had to do with justification. Justification by faith apart from works. And we, we looked at that in chapter 3, verse 21, all the way to chapter 5, verse 21. A very important doctrine of our faith. How a person is made right in the eyes of God. How a person has God's righteousness given to your account. That's justification by faith. The third section was sanctification. And we started that in chapter 6, verse 1. And it really is going to continue all the way to the end of chapter 8. It's our sanctification where God not only set us apart for His use the day you accepted Him as Lord and Savior, but He continues that sanctification process in your life by His Holy Spirit. God is not going to be done with you and I until you're in your glorified body standing in His presence. You're a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. In chapter... Six, we learned about our freedom from sin. In chapter 7, we learned about our freedom from the law. In chapter 8, we're going to learn about our freedom from death. Paul had made it very clear that the law could never justify you. The law could never sanctify you either. Couldn't justify you, could not sanctify you, and the law cannot give you life. Paul wrote in Galatians 3.21, he says, is the law then against the promises of God? He's asking a question. Paul's response to that question is certainly not, or God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given eternal life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. In other words, the law was insufficient to do what it needed to do to get you into right standing with God. Our key verse in Romans is in chapter 1, verse 17. For in it, speaking about the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just or the justified shall live by faith. 
That's the means by which God chose to bring you into a relationship with Him. Faith. Last week we finished chapter 7. And chapter 7, really the end of it is really a a response to chapter 6, verse 14. Look at your Bibles. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Remember we talked about that, that struggle at times that even Christians have. Trying to find the balance between the law and grace. And that's why we have churches that we might call legalistic. And then we have churches over here that are just letting anything happen. Where is the balance between law and grace? And we as Christians need to find that balance. But one thing I can say about grace is you'll never exhaust it. You'll never come to a place where you'll just, you know, it's like, man, I completely understand it. I've got a grip on it. I under-. No, it's going to be an ever-learning thing for you and I to understand the grace of God in truth. Our text last week, I titled it, Living Under the Law or Living Under Grace. And I, and I wonder how many of you assessed that last week. Maybe how many of you thought of that during this week. Am I really kind of bound up to a bunch of legalistic tendencies in my walk with Christ? Am I trying to please Him by my efforts and what I can do for Him? Or am I simply walking and growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ? It's important that you understand His grace in a greater way each and every day. We finish chapter 7 with some words that I think all of us can relate to. Look at your Bibles at chapter 7, verse 24. Look how it reads. O wretched man that I am, You could say those words. I could say those words. Oh, wretched man is me. Who will deliver me from this body of death? That's the question. Paul answers it. Look at verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh... The law of sin. It's it's that Christian struggle that we talked about. Was anybody relating? The struggle in the flesh? You want to do what's right. You want to live wholeheartedly to the Lord. And you see within your members your flesh. This willingness at times for your flesh just to yield to what it wants to do. That's the dilemma we're in. But it's really not a dilemma. You see, the Lord has given us the provisions. He's made the way of escape. He's given us His Holy Spirit. And He wants us to rely upon Him in the working of His Holy Spirit, that sanctification of His Holy Spirit in our life to change us. We just simply need to yield to Him. God, I want You to have Your way in me. 
God, I pray that you will change me from the inside out. That I would in myself be willing to allow you to change me. God wants to. He wants us to have victory. After reading verses 14 to 23, and then finishing with verses 24 to 25, talking about this Christian struggle, I think that it could lead us to a little bit of lost hope. We might be even feeling a little insecure when we start thinking about that battle that we all have in the flesh on a day-in and day-out basis. But we need to always keep in mind when you're reading your Bibles that chapters and verses that you find in your Bibles, that those were not in the original. Sometimes the placement is good. Sometimes the placement is not so good. And the reason why it's not good at times is because sometimes a chapter needs to flow into the next chapter for you to have an understanding of what is really taking place. And I believe that's the case here between Romans chapter 7 and leading into Romans chapter 8. When we enter into Romans 8, we see... Words of hope and security. After what we just read in chapter 7. This hope and security that comes from verse 1 is that there is no condemnation to you and I as believers. No condemnation. When we leave Romans chapter 8 in verse 39, we're told that Nothing is able to separate us from the love of God. Nothing. It goes through that whole list and nothing can separate you from the love of God. You see, Romans chapter 8 might be a chapter about security. About what we are in Christ. What we have in Him. This security that we have in Christ... It's important. As a matter of fact, a relationship and a healthy relationship with God, I believe is really founded in security, in assurance. How would you like to be living your Christian walk day in and day out, just wondering if it's going to really hold out, if I'm really going to make it there, if I'm really going to make it to heaven? You know, I see my flesh. I see how I go at times. I see where I'm at. And the enemy is always whispering in my ear, yeah, if you were a child of God. And we could go down many roads as Christians of insecurity. And God wants us to feel that security with Him. Just as we want our own children to feel secure in their relationship with mom and dad, our Father wants to have that relationship with you. In chapter 8, we're going to see that the word spirit is mentioned 21 times in chapter 8. Prior to chapter 8, 
the word spirit in relationship to the Godhead, the Spirit of God, is not mentioned. You get to chapter 8, and then you have 21 times in this chapter that you find the word spirit. Eleven of those times are found in our text this morning. And I believe that it's, it's very significant that after everything that we learned going about justification by faith, sanctification, freedom from the law, and then we get to Romans chapter 8 which I have said in the past that some look at Romans chapter 8 like the diamond that you would see that has all these different facets on it, that justification and sanctification and freedom and all those things are on that diamond, but Romans 8 is that glistening on the diamond. I actually read where 20 pastors were asked, what chapter out of the Bible would you want with you if you were stranded on a deserted island? And out of those 20 pastors that were asked that question, five of them said Romans chapter 8. I think it's significant for us as Christians. Some have placed this chapter as one of the most important chapters in the Bible. But we see another word that runs right alongside this word spirit in Romans chapter 8. You know what the word is? It's the word flesh. We see the Spirit of God and we see the flesh of man, both in the same chapter. And so Romans chapter 8 is going to speak to us about having victory over the flesh. How many of you have been a Christian for any length of time that you haven't come to realize, you know what? This is tough. It's not easy to walk and to follow Christ. There are very uh, lots of temptations in life that want to draw me away, that want to trip me up. And we live with that reality day in and day out as Christians. But there are Christians that go their whole many years of their life not really realizing that the only way that we can have victory is through the Spirit. We need God's Spirit in our life. We need to experience His power and the victory that we have through His Holy Spirit in our life. Let's first read our our text together. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Do you keep hearing those words? The Spirit and the flesh. Look at verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, 
But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is at enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Powerful. Victory. That's what Paul is wanting us to grab hold of in Romans chapter 8. That we can have victory through the Spirit over this flesh. This first verse, verse 1, when it says there is therefore, whenever you see that word therefore, it's connecting us back to chapter 7. There is therefore because of what we just read in chapter 7, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This term in Christ is actually found 75 times throughout the New Testament. It's an important word, in Christ. And Paul says here, there, are, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Those who know Christ. God has forgiven you and I of all of our sins. The day you accepted Him as Lord and Savior, He wiped your slate clean. He gave us His righteousness the day you believed. He imputed that to your account. He justifies us freely by His grace. He redeemed us by His blood. He saved us from the wrath to come. He demonstrated His love towards us while we were still sinners. He gives us eternal life and took upon Himself the condemnation that was due to you and I. Wow! What a great salvation we have. It's incredible. No condemnation to those who are in Christ. That word no means by definition not even one man, woman, or thing, none, nobody, nothing can bring condemnation upon a child of God. Nothing can bring condemnation upon you. When's the last time you've felt condemnation in your life as a Christian? If you felt it, it wasn't from God. It it came from an outside source other than God. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So what does this word condemnation actually mean? The word itself means to be damned. It means to be sentenced. 
It means to be condemned uh, with a suggestion of judgment and punishment that's going to follow. That's what you've been rescued from. That's what you've been delivered from. The condemnation that rests upon those who don't know Christ does not rest upon you if you're a child of God. That should cause us to go, hallelujah, you can do that. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. So who are those that stand under the condemnation of God? It's those who have inherited that sin nature that we talked about back in chapter 5. That that nature of Adam. It was through his one offense that brought condemnation upon this whole world. We read back in chapter 5, verse 18, Therefore, as through one man's offense, he's speaking of Adam, judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act. Who's that? Jesus Christ. The free gift came to all men resulting in what? Justification of life. That's our benefit. It's what we've received. We didn't earn it. He didn't know it to us. He simply gave it to us. You see, all mankind stands guilty before God and stands under this condemnation because of one man's offense. But now we come to Romans chapter 8 where Paul declares that those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they're no longer under condemnation. It it took us seven chapters and then getting to chapter 8 to make this one statement to us as believers. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Wow. That's powerful. These words, in Christ Jesus, as I've shared, Paul, Paul used it some 40 times throughout the New Testament. And what those words mean to us as Christians, when you're in Christ, you have a new position before God. You once were in a different kind of a position before God. Now that you've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior in a new position, you have a new standing before God. He sees the righteousness of His Son in you. He calls you a child of God. And the words actually speak of a a fixed position that you're in. In other words, a position that can't be moved. And And it speaks of a position in place, time, and state. It's the place you stand. You see, a person is either in Christ or they're not in Christ. You're either in or you're out, we could put it that way. You're either in or you're out. You're either a child of God, or as Paul said, you're a child of the devil. That's rough. You're either saved or you're not saved. You see, there's no middle ground when it comes to salvation. 
You are either in Christ or you're not. And the way that you get in Christ is you need to be born again. You need to be saved. You need to call upon the Lord to save you from your sin. You need to repent and ask Him to come into your heart. And He'll give you eternal life. And He'll make you stand in Him. Paul used these words in Romans 3.24. He says, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The redemption that is in Christ. We also see it in 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of Him you are in Christ Jesus who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, those that are in Christ. In Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. God's not a respecter. We're either in Christ or we're not. Galatians 6.15, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Those that are in Christ. Ephesians 2.6, And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. And it says this, In Christ Jesus. These words of Paul as I've shared in coming out of chapter 7, they they bring words of hope to us. They, They bring security. They bring confidence in our relationship. This Christian struggle that we read about at the end of chapter 7 and this freedom from the law is something that we know in reality that it's there. But how many of you were actually walking with your head above water? You're actually walking a victorious Christian walk. You're actually walking in such a way that you don't feel like you're sinking from your sin and your failures of life. You see, that's not the path that God wants us to walk. He wants us to walk in victory as Christians. That victory has been made available to you and I. We need to know this that your struggles with the flesh, they're not going to go away. You're going to have to live with it. In other words, until you have your new body and you're in the presence of the Lord, there's going to be that Christian struggle. But be encouraged, Christians. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. That's important to to know. That's important truth to grab hold of. You see, your failures in this life as a Christian will not bring condemnation to you. Your sin no longer brings condemnation upon you. Did you know that? It might and it does bring conviction That's a different word. We're convicted by God's Holy Spirit, but God doesn't condemn us. 
There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. But we do experience conviction. That's a good thing. That's a good word. You know what conviction is? You do something wrong and you feel terrible about it. You know you've done wrong. You feel guilty. You feel, ah. That's God's Holy Spirit and the conviction that He puts upon us. But when you stumble and you fall as a Christian, there's no condemnation that is awaiting you. When you're weak in your flesh, condemnation is not following after you. You know, it's, it's not on the heels, your heels, and it, here comes condemnation. The enemy wants to whisper it in your ear daily. But we need to stand upon the Word of God. You see, the life of a Christian is one to have victory over sin. He's given us the tools, the armor, everything we need. But there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Paul finishes in 8.1 with, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Depending on what translation you have in hand, the King James has those words and other translations do not. Some believe verse 4 has been put in by the, those that transcribed it and put it up into verse 1. But this is what I think it's not saying. I don't think it's a condition upon the, uh, those of us as Christians as to whether or not condemnation is upon you or not. He already simply stated that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So when you read that last part, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, like it's a condition, and if you're walking according to the Spirit and not according to your flesh, and if you do walk according to your flesh, then maybe you do have condemnation. That's not what it's saying. Paul says in Galatians 1.16, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a a scripture that as Christians we need to grab hold of. Walk in the Spirit, Christians, and you will not experience, you will not walk in the flesh. That's a victory shout. As Christians, that's what we would say, God, that's a promise from you. The question is, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? How do I deal with that? What do I need to do then so that I could have this victory over this particular sin that I'm wrestling with or these sins that I've been wrestling with for all these years? God, I want to have victory. Give me victory. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the Spirit means that we are hearing God's Spirit and we're being obedient to His Spirit. You ever hear God just speaking something? Don't go that way. Don't do that. Don't say that. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden you just retract and you go, okay, all right. Victory! Walking in the Spirit requires a conscious choice on your part. 
You get up every day. Are you going to walk in the, the Spirit or are you going to walk in the flesh? It, it, God doesn't make you walk in the Spirit. But we can choose to walk in the Spirit or we can choose to walk by the dictates of our flesh. Even as a Christian. And so walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the Spirit is opposite to walking in the flesh. Walking in the Spirit is also opposite of walking in legalism. A bunch of do's and don'ts type of Christianity. Not, we're, not, we're not bound to a bunch of do's and don'ts. There's freedom from sin. Freedom to follow Christ. Walking in the Spirit is allowing the Word of Christ, the Bible, to richly dwell inside of you. Spend time in His Word. Spend time in His Word and and reading the promises of God's Word and let God's Word richly dwell inside of you. And you're going to be full of God's Spirit. You're going to see more victories in your life. You put that Bible on the shelf for a week and you wait till you come here next Sunday and I can tell you, you're probably going to be leaning more towards the dictates of the flesh. Spend time in His Word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And let God fill you with His Holy Spirit and His power so that you can say no to the flesh. Walking in the Spirit is setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. What does the Spirit of God want for me today? What does my flesh want to do? But what does the Spirit of God have for me today? Setting my mind on the things of the Spirit. And then walking in the Spirit is also being led by the Holy Spirit. It becomes easier and easier to hear God's leading from day to day when you spend time with Him. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in His Word. And I will tell you that you will begin to hear Him and His leading in a more clear way than you ever have. It will become more obvious. You'll hear it more clearly. I remember as a young Christian wondering, you know, how do these Christians talk like that? Yeah, the Lord was speaking to me. Wow. I, I want to hear that. And you know what? I, I realized that after I started applying myself to draw near to the Lord, to want to know Him more, it became easier and easier for me to hear His voice and His leading in my life. How much you put into your relationship with Jesus Christ has everything to do with how you're going to be led of Him. Look at verse 2. We're not going to finish. We're not even going to get out of 2 today. So don't get nervous. We're going to continue this next week. Paul is speaking to us as Christians, but he's also looking back to chapter 6 and 7 as he's making these statements. He says in verse 2, For the law 
of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, there's those words again, in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Paul says in this verse that there are two laws that are working. The law of the Spirit of life and the law of sin and death. Now, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it brings victory to you and I. The law of sin and death, it brings defeat to us even as Christians. The word law here, though, is not speaking of the Mosaic law that you read about, you know, the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. The word law here is really speaking about a principle by which the Holy Spirit acts as the imparter of life and death. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit of God that either brings life and victory or the law of sin that brings defeat and death. The Holy Spirit is the source of your spiritual walk in Christ. It's what we need to be dependent upon. You see, there's a lot of Christians that know about the Holy Spirit, but they don't necessarily know how it works within them and how dependent they need to be upon it. And so they they go through the routines of what a Christian does or what they think a Christian does. But all the while, they're missing out on the power. They don't understand the working of the Holy Spirit in their life. They don't understand that the Holy Spirit is the source of their spiritual life as a Christian. And, And then, how dependent are we? When is the last time that you got up and you said, God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit today? I need your power in my life to walk my walk. I can't do it apart from you. Lord, I'll truly fall away. I'll surely fail if I don't go out in your strength and in your power today. You see, sin that is always at our front door as Christians, it's going to be overcome by the Spirit of life. Legalism and pleasing God by your efforts is done away with by the Spirit of life. The Spirit of life, it frees us from bondage. The bondage of sin, the bondage of legalism. It's the Spirit of life that does that. The Spirit of life saves us from the law of sin and death. That's the spirit of life that has made me free. I like that word free. I like freedom. And then there's the law or the principle of sin that brings forth death. Paul finishes this chapter in verse 38 by saying neither death nor life can separate us from the love of God. You see, life 
It's used 16 times in Romans. It speaks about your eternal life. It speaks about that you've been saved by His life, by God's life. That you shall, be, you shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. There's also justification of life, it's called. And there's the newness of life that Paul speaks about. And there's everlasting life. And there's the spirit of life. You see, that is what we have been given. Life. He's made us free. He's given us the spirit of life as a believer. Death is found 22 times in Romans. Those without Christ, the Bible says, are deserving of what? Death. We were reconciled through the death of His Son, Jesus Christ. Death came through sin. The wages of sin is death. Who will deliver me from this body of death? What we have is life. The spirit of life. Let's read verse 3 and verse 4 and we'll end on that. For what the law could not do in that it was weak. In other words, the law itself was powerless. It was powerless because through the flesh, we can't walk this walk. We can't keep a bunch of rules. And that it would satisfy God. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh or that it was powerless through the flesh, the law was made powerless to save us either, right? We we can't be saved by the law. It could not make us righteous. It could not justify. It could not sanctify us. And so look what it says in verse 3. And so God did it by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. We couldn't do it in our flesh. And so God, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, He condemns sin in the flesh. He took the condemnation that was due to us upon Himself. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh. Jesus Christ had no sin. He was a God-man, but He came in a body of flesh. He was all man. But He was also all God. And He came in the likeness of sinful flesh. And He did it on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. And it says in verse 4 that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh. Here it is. But according to the Spirit. The righteous requirement of the law. 
Do you even like those words? The righteous requirement of the law. Man, when I read that, I go, man, I, I, I can't fulfill that. I can't live up to that. This righteous requirement that demands perfection. It's, it's in that law that it might be what? Fulfilled in us. Wow. But notice that it doesn't say by us. It's not in your effort that you fulfill it. It's in us. He fulfills it in us. How does He do it? He does it according to the Spirit. By the Spirit of God that's in you. The righteous requirement of the law really created that struggle. It showed man his inability. So that he might call out to the living God and say, God, would you save me? Because I sure can't do it. I can't save myself. But you can. And not only that, but the righteous requirement of the law, you're going to fulfill it in me. You're going to do it in me. Who do not walk according, and there's those words again that are just like in 8.1, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We didn't get very far. I said I was going to go to verse 11. We're in verse 4. So, read ahead. We'll pick this up next week, but Romans chapter 8, if I were you, I would spend some time this week. I spent a lot of hours looking at what I'm looking at for this morning. And you know what? I'm thrilled. I've been reminded. God has brought some truths back to me. Things that I'm standing on, things that I want you to stand on. Take it to heart. Spend time in it. Ask God to fill you with His Holy Spirit and empower you for today, if you haven't done so already. And then when you get up tomorrow, ask Him again, God, would you give me your Spirit in power? He's already there. But would you give me your Spirit in power that I might not follow the dictates of my flesh? You know what will happen? He'll do it. He doesn't say, beg me for it. He just simply says, ask. And I'll give it to you. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We hope you have enjoyed today's study. For more information on teachings, events, worship times, and location, please visit our website, ccfwinstonsalem.com. From Pastor Greg and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, thank you for listening and being part of our study through God's Word.